Thank you, Karen, for that beautiful song. I left my water in my office. I was going to drink out of yours and say, now you took it with you, so <laughs> drank it through. It's good to see you this morning. One thing that I am thankful for today is that the calendar has fallen this year so that we get a chance to talk about Thanksgiving. You know, so often we just move straight into Christmas time and, and don't really get to celebrate as a church family Thanksgiving. And we've tried through the past year sometimes to put them both together and do a little bit of each, but I think it's great today that we can um, remember to be thankful for some things that, um, that have happened in our lives. And that's one, one of the things we're going to talk about this morning. I have a question for you as we begin. How many of you share a first name with someone else in your family or someone that you are close friends with? How many of you share a first name with somebody? All right, if you look around, you see a lot of, lot of those hands. There's a lot of people that have the same name. Now today, there's a whole lot of new kind of names, um, and some of the more traditional names maybe are not as many, but at one time, uh, people often had the same name and had the same names passed down in their families. Well, today, as we continue our um, work looking through the women of the New Testament, today's woman has a name that is very similar to a lot of people's names from her time, and that is Mary. Mary is a very traditional, long-standing name. Historically, that has been one of the most popular names. If you were doing a woman's list of names back from the very beginning of time, Mary would be high on that list. In fact, in the last century, Mary was the most popular name for girls. There were more than three million girls named Mary. Now, that's a lot when you think about what the population would have been back then. In the, 19, in the 1880s, the century, or the decade of the 1880s through 1890s, nearly 6% of all girls who were born were named Mary. Just out of curiosity, how many of you ladies out there have Mary somewhere in your name? Raise your hand, let's see. Just one, ladies, two, three, Four? Okay, there's, there's some. Um, if, just think if we'd asked that question 100 years ago, then a good portion of the women in the room would have raised their hand. Mary is not in my, my name, but I cannot tell you how many times I get called Mary Elizabeth. I don't even know why, that's not, that's not my name. Um, but that must have been one of the popular names of, of previous eras. It's easy to get people confused when they have the same name. And in our Bible, there are a lot of Marys. In addition to that confusion, as I began to study about Mary today, I realized that she was a victim of identity theft. We think about that today, we read a lot about identity theft today, and Americans alone spend billions of dollars trying to protect ourselves from uh, identity theft. But the truth is that our Mary today was the, probably the very first victim of identity theft. So today we're going to look through the scriptures and we're going to identify who Mary Magdalene really is. Because Mary Magdalene, as we come to the end of our group of women, is one of the ladies who to me as I have studied her is one of the most outstanding women in the New Testament. And yet that's pretty much not what she is known for. So we're going to study about Mary and look at her this morning. So if you have your Bibles, let me ask you if you would take them and turn to the New Testament. And we're going to look first at a passage in Luke chapter 8. And then we're going to turn over and look in John chapter 20. So if you want to hold on to both of those. Mary Magdalene is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. That's one of the first clues to us that she was an important person in the New Testament times. So in Luke chapter 8, we'll read the first three verses. The story in, in chapter 7 is right before this, what we're going to read is the story of Jesus being anointed 
by the unnamed sinful woman. And then we pick up in chapter 8. After this, that event, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. And then turn over to John chapter 20. In the Luke passage, we have the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We turn to John 20 and we come to the end. Beginning at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And then skip down to verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Well, this morning, first of all, I want to start out by telling you who Mary Magdalene is not because there seems to be a lot of confusion about that. Michael found a video for us to show this morning, and I looked at it before, you know, before I planned, and as I looked at it, I thought, they have got that whole thing wrong. And that's terrible. They had that whole thing wrong. So let's see if we can get straight in our minds, first of all, who Mary Magdalene is not. One, she is not the sinful, unnamed woman in chapter 7 of Luke, <laughs> the one that we just referred to. She is not that person. Often people think she is the one that anointed Jesus' feet with her tears and cried and wiped them with her hair, but that is not Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is introduced to in the New Testament in Luke um, chapter 8 in the verses that we just read. And that happened after the previous um, event had happened. So it's clear that that is not Mary Magdalene. Second, Mary Magdalene is not a prostitute. You probably have heard that all your life. My guess is that's what you think, you know, often think when you think of her. But that is not the case. There is nothing in the New Testament to indicate that that was Mary's profession. So that is, that is not what she, what she was or who she was. 
That idea came about in the sixth century when Pope Gregory preached the sermon. Now this was back in 591 AD, over 1400 years ago. And in that sermon, he took a composite of several different women and called them all Mary Magdalene. So he took the woman from chapter seven of Luke and um, other uh, Marys that, that are in the Bible and kind of put them together. Maybe he thought he was short on time and was gonna have to put it together to get it in the sermon, you know, like to do a TV show or something, I don't know. But in that sermon, he pegged Mary Magdalene as a prostitute and that stuck for over 1400 years. Just imagine that. It shows the damage that words can do to someone's reputation. It was not until 1969 that the Catholic Church came back and said that that Mary was not the same Mary as Mary Magdalene and that they had had it wrong for all those years. Thank goodness they said it, but obviously people still don't hear it and still think that that was Mary's profession. Often you'll see pictures or paintings of Mary Magdalene and she's dressed all up kind of floozy and looking like what you think that kind of person might be. But that is because that makes a better picture than just the regular person standing there. Um, so the artists don't help at all and have probably perpetuated through history that idea of Mary Magdalene. Third, Mary Magdalene is not the sister of Martha and Lazarus. That's not the right Mary, okay? So don't think that's her either. And fourth, Mary Magdalene is not Jesus' wife or Jesus' girlfriend, no matter what they say in today's popular culture. Today, you read books, you see TV shows, they have movies, all of those in which they popularize that surely Jesus and Mary Magdalene must have been together. But again, there is nothing biblically to, to um, say that that happened at all. She had an entirely different type of relationship with Jesus, and we'll see that as we look at her this morning. So there are five things now I hope you are clear of who Mary Magdalene is not. And when you go out of here, if you get in a conversation with someone about Mary Magdalene, then you help repair her reputation, okay? Because now you've got that straight. So who is Mary Magdalene? Well, we can find that out again from looking at the scriptures. In the passage we read from Luke, it is very clear that she was another Mary, and she was from the town of Magdala. Now, Magdala was a small town about three miles from Capernaum. And Capernaum is where Jesus was based at the beginning of his ministry. So it's easy to see how Jesus and Mary Magdalene could have come in contact with one another. Those verses also tell us that Mary Magdalene was the woman who was healed from seven demons. That's pretty specific. It's a very clear um, identifier for her. It also says that she was a woman of means. The women who followed Jesus and who um, traveled with them at that time supported Jesus financially. So we don't have any way of knowing where Mary has her money from. There's no mention of a family. There's no mention of a husband. Maybe she's a widow. Who knows? But somehow or another, she had money that she could use um, in whatever way she wanted to use it. And she used it to support the ministry of Jesus. It's always often in the Bible, as we've talked about several times as we've looked at these women, that when a person is named first in a grouping of people, that first person is the more prominent person of the group. And in the New Testament, Mary Magdalene is often listed first when there is a listing of women. And there are many times that you'll see that in there. And in addition to that, she almost always has that identifier, Magdalene, attached to her name. 
So it was obvious that she was a person that was important to the early church, that they wanted to be clear when they spoke of her, people would know who she was. And so it had to have been that she was somebody important. And most of all, Mary Magdalene was a devoted follower of Jesus, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We can trace Mary Magdalene's um, path, her journey through the New Testament by reading the scriptures, which really confuses me why that pastor back in 500 AD didn't do that. Um, but we're going to do that this morning because I want you to see who, Jesus, where, who Mary Magdalene was and where she's located. Now, I don't expect you to look all these up, but I'm going to tell you some places where we can see Mary Magdalene's story. In the book of Mark, you can go to the end of the story um, when they were in Jerusalem for the crucifixion, and she was there. And that passage there in Mark indicates that she was with Jesus, back, that Mary Magdalene was with Jesus back in Galilee. That means back at the beginning of his ministry, she was there with him. So she was with him from the very beginning on. In Luke chapter 8 that we just read, we've already talked about the fact that she obviously was in a group of women who traveled with Jesus and who went from city to city, supporting him and ministering to Jesus and his disciples and making their ministry possible. You know, somebody's got to take care of the details. And my guess is those women were some of the ones who did some of that. In Mark chapter 15, verse 40, we have the story that tells us that Mary Magdalene was in Jerusalem during Passion Week and that Mary Magdalene was at the cross when Jesus died. In chapter 15, verse 47, it tells us that she stayed at the cross after everyone had already left. After the disciples had gone on back to their homes and to places, it was Mary Magdalene who stayed at the cross. It was she who followed Joseph of Arimathea when he took Jesus' body down off that cross. She followed him to see where Jesus' body would be laid. And then in Mark 16, 1, and in John 21, which we read previously, we hear that she was up early the next morning after that crucifixion and was at the tomb, the first person to be there on Easter morning. John 20.10 says that she herself was the first witness to the resurrection. She was the first person to see the resurrected Jesus. And then in John 17 through 18, we read this morning that she was the first person to receive a command from Jesus after his resurrection and actually to receive a commission from him to go and to tell the disciples about the resurrection. Now, that sounds like an important person to me. That sounds like a woman in whom Jesus placed a lot of trust and who he definitely had a long-term relationship with. Mary Magdalene's life was changed radically by her encounter with Jesus Christ. She was thankful in her life for what he had done for her. She was obviously thankful that he had healed her. But even more than just being thankful, she had a thanksgiving in her heart, a thankfulness that led her to a complete devotion to her Lord, Jesus. She gave up her former life once she had that encounter with him. And her life changed completely. She began to travel with a group of men, not caring what other people thought. 
And in that day, that would have been looked at by, you know, people wouldn't have thought much of that for her to do, to follow along with a group of men. But she and the other women did that. She willingly gave of her material resources, gave her money to support the ministry of Jesus. She left her home and the security of her hometown. Now, we don't know what it was like. She might have been glad to get out of there if she had been possessed by demons, which probably means she had mental illness. And perhaps she was glad for the chance to get away from home. But still, it's a big step to leave your home and to move on. Mary Magdalene was willing to bear the heartache and grief that overcame her and the others as they stood there or knelt there at the cross of Jesus. It was Mary Magdalene who stuck with Jesus through the good and through the bad. She didn't fear for her own life, or at least she didn't fear enough to leave as the disciples did. And because of her complete devotion to Jesus, her life was blessed. Think about it. Mary Magdalene was the only person present at the two most pivotal, pivotal moments in history, the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. That's an amazing thing to me. And then Jesus trusted her with the news of his resurrection. The greatest news that the world has ever known was told first to this woman. Jesus trusted her to share that information accurately with his disciples, and he knew that she would do what he asked her to do, go and tell. And even Peter and John, when they heard the news from Mary Magdalene, they believed her enough to go and check it out. They didn't scoff at her and say, oh, you must be crazy. When she told them the news that she had seen the Lord, they believed her enough to go and see. And so that tells us again the high regard in which they held Mary Magdalene. The early church leaders in the, in the centuries that came after that first century often referred to Mary Magdalene as the apostle to the apostles. What a title. An apostle was one who had been with Jesus from the beginning and who could tell the story of Jesus to others. And they called her the apostle to the apostles, which of course would be the 12 disciples. So Mary Magdalene is a wonderful example to us of a, of a devoted life to a person who has allowed thanksgiving in their life to be real and to make a difference in who they are. If you do polls in America, we often find that Thanksgiving is the number one favorite holiday. Everybody loves Thanksgiving holiday. We think of the words that start with F. F, family, food, and football. It all comes around at that Thanksgiving. We're thankful for the things we have. I don't doubt at all that you are all very thankful and have been thankful over this weekend for the things that you have. On your leaf that you took this morning, my guess is that you've written things like you're thankful for your family, you're thankful for your health, maybe you said you were thankful for your church, your faith, your home, our country, you're thankful for your friends. I'm guessing that if we asked, the majority of you put one of those things down. And we are thankful for those things, and none of those things are bad, and we should be thankful for all of those things. But I believe Mary Magdalene's life shows us a deeper, richer understanding of being thankful. Mary showed us what a person's life looks like when she is truly thankful for what Jesus has done in her life, what Jesus particularly has done specifically for her. For Mary, it was not just a flippant, thank you, Jesus. 
you know, or think about once in a while, you know, thankful for what, what I have and what Jesus has done for me. I believe Mary Magdalene truly, at the depth of who she was, had a thankful heart for all that Jesus had given her. Think about it. He really gave her a new life when he healed her of those demons. He gave her life a new purpose. And what keeps a person vibrant but having a purpose in life? Jesus gave Mary Magdalene liberation and freedom. He gave her physical and emotional health. He had really, truly saved her life. But he had introduced her to his Heavenly Father and her Heavenly Father, who cherished her and loved her unconditionally. And my guess is that was probably new for Mary Magdalene in her life. Jesus gave her life and hope and love like she had never known before. Mary Magdalene knew all that she had received in Jesus. She knew all that he had done for her and how he really had made a difference in her life. She didn't think about it only on Thanksgiving. She didn't think about it only on one day. She thought about it every day. She was devoted to Jesus because of what Jesus had done for her and because of who Jesus was. She was thankful for more than material things or, spirit, or physical things. She was thankful for the spiritual things. She knew that Christ had changed her inside completely from who she had been before. And she now was a new person in Christ, and she was thankful for that. As I thought about that, looking at the life of Mary, I began to think, what are we really thankful for? Are we really thankful for things at the deepness of, that Mary has? Are we truly aware of all of the things that Jesus has really done for us? So I began to look at scripture in, the, in our Bible that talked about what we are in Christ or what we have received in Christ. And I want to share some of those scriptures with you this morning. There's too many of them for you to look at, so we're going to put them on the screen so you can see them. In Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in Christ you receive forgiveness and his spirit. Acts 3, 6, Peter again, talking to the lame man. He says to him, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Which for that man meant you are healed. The next one, Romans 3, 22. The righteousness is given through, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. You can be made right with God no matter who you are if you believe in Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for Mary, and he died for you, and he died for me. And that's a big deal. Romans 5:11. Not only in this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 
We are reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Are you truly alive in your life because of your relationship with, with Christ? And I don't mean having breath alive, I mean living that full and abundant life that he promises us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That one's pretty clear. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ has taken our sins and the penalties for those sins, and there is no condemnation for us now in Jesus Christ. And then I think the last one, yes, Romans 12.5, in Christ we who are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In Christ, we find belonging. In Christ, we find a family, a family that is all over the world, and it's in Jesus Christ that we have that place of belonging. Now, are you really aware of all of those things? Do you think about the things that you have received in Christ? I want us to take a moment and give you a chance to think about what you are really thankful for at a deeper level now. So take your leaf back out, and here on the screen you'll see the list that we just went over, um, just some words to maybe get you thinking. On your leaf, I want you to write down something that you are really thankful for, for which Christ has done for you. Not something material, not something physical but something, perhaps one of these words or another one that comes to you to think of what you are really thankful for in Christ. Take a moment and do that. All right, I want you to take your leaf home with you this week. And in this week, that kind of can still Thanksgiving, between Thanksgiving and Advent, I want you to place that leaf where you can see it and really think this week of what Christ has done for you and how you can be thankful for him just as Mary Magdalene was. Mary Magdalene is a great example to all of us of what it means to have a thankful heart, to have a heart that has been changed by Jesus and is now totally devoted to him. Today, Mary would have celebrated Christ the King Sunday because she knew what it was to have Christ as the king of her life. Mary Magdalene's encounter with Jesus was life-changing. Was yours? Mary Magdalene's love for Jesus led to devotion that put Jesus before everything. Do you do that? Mary Magdalene's devotion to Jesus rearranged her life's priorities. Has your devotion to Jesus rearranged your priorities? Or does Jesus just get the leftovers of your time and your thoughts? As we move from Thanksgiving into Advent and Christmas, 
I pray that this would be the year that you would give thanks for all that Jesus has truly done for you at a spiritual level, at an eternal level, and show that thanksgiving by you leading a life wholly devoted to Jesus, just like Mary Magdalene did. Amen.